Two Geeks, Two Beers podcast. Nerdy obsessions, drunken ramblings with Morgan Jeffrey and Tom Eames. And welcome to a new episode of Two Geeks, Two Beers, the podcast that compensates for its generic name by tackling increasingly niche subject matter. I'm Morgan, <laughs> and here with me as we prepare to sink our teeth into another cult classic is Tom. Hello. Tom, how you doing? Yeah, all good, thank you. Good. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, um, sorry, I missed your birthday. Yeah, yeah. yeah, if you uh, spotted a late night post... <laughs> At 10 o'clock. ...on the uh, Two Geeks, Two Beers social channels, it's because Tom... Forgot it was my birthday. It's fine. <laughs> I've got over it. We're back here. We're back in the studio. It's fine. Yeah. I've given him. Yeah. You uh, interviewed a very special person the other day. Oh, I did. Yeah. Yes. A two geeks, two beers hero. Uh, I spoke to Mr. Russell Crowe. Our longest episode of all time. <laughs> by some distance. Not, But not by design. Did you tell him that? Yeah. The first thing I said. <laughs> Russell, a host, a niche geek podcast. Yeah. Um... Uh, we, we've produced hundreds of episodes, but by far our most epic... For some reason. ...in both length and subject matter concerned your career. Yeah. And he said, oh, th- thanks a lot, mate. No, no, it, it, didn't, it didn't come up, sadly. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, no, that was, that was a, a, a life moment. Very exciting. Um, what, what was also really exciting for me, Tom... Yes. ...was hearing that you had watched Doctor Who. I did. You sat down and watched a, a Doctor Who yeah. special. How was that? How was that for you? I having mean, having having no concept or clue of what was going on. It was totally wasted on me because <laughs> yeah. I I could appreciate that there was some kind of you know old companions and people coming back. Yeah, totally wasted. Yeah, I, no no, and that wasn't just me drinking. That was just, just it was just wasted on me. Nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I, yeah, you know what? Yeah, I enjoyed it. Quite enjoyed right. it. Yeah. 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 Fun for the whole family. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, if you're a Patreon mm. subscriber, yeah. um. After don't not not right now because listen to this stick <laughs> yeah, stick, give, stick, give with, stick stick with this right now yeah, yeah. Give, give it a chance all right it's early it's early doors but after this uh, head to uh, patreon.com slash two geekscast I just pulled that off I was for a second there I was like <laughs> I'm not going to remember what is it called I'm not going to remember the URL yeah. um, no that's what it is patreon.com slash two geekscast um, and we'll have a mini sode where I don't rank the doctors because I actually know what I'm talking about. Tom's going to rank I, the Doctors. From considering Doctor Who. I've never really watched it, I'm going to rank the Doctor Who's. It's going to be quite. It's going to be quite an experience. It's going to be the kind of thing that if you're not already a Patreon subscriber, it's going to be the kind of thing you'll want to pay for. You'll be like, well, I wasn't paying before, but now I've heard that's gonna happening. Alienate all our audience. Yeah. What there is of it? So <laughs> this time around, uh, the subject matter for our geek patter is ultraviolet. Yeah. Just in time for spooky season. So, Tom, do you have any concept of what I'm talking about? Uh, no. No. Um, all I can think of is ultraviolence. Or like... What's that? Clockwork Orange. Oh, I've yeah. never seen no, it. No, you've never seen it. Never seen it. So when I'm seeing this, I'm like, ultraviolet. <laughs> ultraviolence. Yeah. Uh, no, no, no idea. All I know is I saw you tweet about it. It was a photo. And what's his face was on it. Oh. Um... Jack Davenport. That's the one. Yeah. yeah. He's in it. That's all I know. Bit of a spoiler. So, good. All right. Yeah. Yeah, good. Yeah. Well, that's... A bit niche, but... Um, intentionally. Yeah. I'll explain why it's so niche. Like, we'll, we'll get on to it. And it's a bit Halloween-y, I assume? Yeah, that was... that Again, long-time listeners will appreciate the fact that that was um, purely by luck. Okay. Not by design. Yeah. I, I, the fact that this is a bit of a spooky... Spooky theme. Okay. Um, yeah. Spooky so, because of how bad it is or just... No, it's great. Oh, okay. It's great. Okay. So, beloved by its fans, uh, but a show that perhaps doesn't have the legacy <laughs> that it deserves. Classic. Uh, this one is a hidden gem, which will surely do wonders for this episode's download figures. Um, <laughs> so, coming up, why the show's original premise ended up flipped on its head, 
how one of the cast is directly related to the most famous vampire story of them all, mm. why a second season never happened, and why a reboot or revival could still be on the cards 24 years later. Well done for having four options in the coming up. I struggle with three when I'm doing mine, so four <laughs> is amazing. There's not enough content <laughs> in an average Two Geeks episode. So I, do you know, I thought I had to do four. If I'd known, I could have got away with three. Three, three is the magic number. Oh, is it? Yeah. Right, okay, next time. I'll know for next time. <laughs> So Ultraviolet ran for a single series of six episodes on Channel 4 in the autumn of 1998, from 15th of September to the 20th of October. No recollection. Absolutely no recollection. (laughs) It was, which means it has no no legacy. No legacy at all, because I don't know. No. So I was 12 years old at this point. Uh, Yep, I was uh, 11. Uh. I'm slightly younger. And you watched it at the time? Not at the time. Oh, okay. No. Um, I, I heard good things. and, and ch- <laughs> As an 11-year-old, just sitting there going, I've heard good things. Going to tune into this in a few years' time. Uh, yes. Uh, not later I heard good things. I wasn't like, I wasn't as an 11-year-old watching, being like, oh, I'm, I'm enjoying this, uh, this supernatural thriller. What I really like about it is the psychological aspect. Not so, not, not, no. Not okay. so much. I'm not that much of a wanker. Okay. So um, the show was created by Joe Ahern who also wrote and directed all six episodes, something which arguably benefited the show at the time, but may have harmed its fortunes in the long run, which we'll come back to. (laughs) So prior to creating Ultraviolet, Ahern had written and directed for BBC Two's Cool Britannia sexy lawyers show, This Life. Yes, which I never really watched. Never seen it. but I I know know I'd probably like it. And... I know, I know we hate it when other people say this, but yeah. it, it was a little bit before our it was. Uh, before our time. That doesn't for mean for us to appreciate it at the time. That doesn't mean we can't go back and no. watch it now. I'm sure doesn't we mean will. we don't know what it is. No. We know what it is. Yeah. It's just it was it was definitely a cultural moment. Yeah. I think at the time it was aired, which yeah. we which we slightly missed. Yeah. So in the years since Ultraviolet aired in uh, 1998, Joe Ahern has also directed episodes, including the pilot of the BBC One fantasy horror Strange, starring oh, yeah. Richard Coyle as a rogue priest on a mission to vanquish demons. He appeared, that appeared in our... Um, Doctor Who Fillings yeah, episode. Yeah. Way, way back. Way, way back. Yeah. yeah, not as good as it sounds, if I'm being <laughs> honest. Um, Should have stayed in coupling. Should have. Should have. Should have. Should have. Yeah. Uh, Joe Ahern also directed five episodes, five of the best episodes, I would say, uh, of the 2005 revival series of Doctor Who, oh. uh, earning a BAFTA nomination. Uh, for helming the episodes Dalek, Father's Day, Boomtown, and the two-part finale of that series, Bad Wolf and the Parting of the Ways. You say Boomtown? Boomtown. Was that an episode of Doctor Who? Called Boomtown. All right. <laughs> What's your problem? What was that about? Uh, it's, um, you remember Aunt Babe from EastEnders? Yeah. She's an alien, but in Wales. And that's the, that's the plot, is that it? That is the plot. Okay. Yeah. Um... Joe Hearn also wrote and directed another supernatural series for the BBC, Apparitions, in 2008, starring Martin Shaw as a priest battling the forces of evil. <laughs> it's a theme. It's a theme. It's definitely yeah. a theme developing here. Uh, Hearn had been uh, intrigued by vampires from an early age, having grown up watching Hammer horror movies, including the Dracula films, starring Christopher Lee as the Count Christopher Lee. Uh Keen to come up with a television series, but wanting to del- deliver something different from a regular cop show, Ahern came up with a pitch for a show following a vampire detective. However, this idea was scrapped because he realised that all scenes featuring the lead character would need to be filmed at night, meaning endless night shoots, which would prove difficult and prohibitively expensive. Uh, so, Hearn flipped his original idea to instead make his lead character a human detective investigating a vampire threat. And this was the era of, the, of Buffy helped the whole vampire. Well, yeah. Well, this was ninety. This well, so when he was conceiving of this, this was, this was sort of mid to uh, late nineties. This was pre-Buffy. Was it? So, so it, it was pure coincidence oh, that there was okay. sort of a bit of a vampire craze on the yeah. on the horizon. It came. It eventually aired the year after Buffy started, yeah. but the two shows they were being developed that. in tandem. Yeah. Yeah. No one knew. No. Ultraviolet also evolved from Ahern's early drafts to be less action-based uh, and to become more of a psychological supernatural thriller. Though Ahern later said, my ulterior motive was running around with guns shooting at vampires, but I couldn't say that out loud. I had to pretend it was a tale of millennial angst. Inspired by Blade, essentially, that sort of thing. Blade was not yet as well. Yeah. Why was everyone what an era? One era for vampires. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Why though? A full ten years before Twilight and True Blood and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. But 
I've never really thought about it before. Yeah. yeah, the late 90s. Yeah. Great time. Great time for vampires. <laughs> yeah. um, so Ultraviolet, despite the 90s haircuts and mobile phones the size of your head, uh, is set in the near future uh, with vampires having emerged from the shadows in which they lurked for so many years in an effort to retake the Earth. Uh, the show attempted to present a realistic portrayal of vampires. So the word vampire is never spoken. Okay. Uh, the creatures were instead referred to as Code Fives, uh, which was based on, obviously, the Roman numeral for five is... V. Well done. Um, <laughs> there was a moment of panic in his eyes there. Um, uh, which is also the first letter, of course, in... Vampire. Right, here we go. <laughs> he got there. <laughs> <laughs> Genuine panic. Genuine panic. Ah, like, oh, shit, he's put me on the spot. Um, <sighs> the creatures were also known, yeah, as Code Fives or by the slang term leeches. Um, very much the latter term, sort of zombie rule these days, where zombie movies, zombie TV shows like The Walking Dead, uh, they never actually yeah, say Walker. the word yeah. zombie. Look out, rotters. I'm going to kill every last Z person there is. Places overrun by psychos. Starvation doesn't kill us, roamers will. They're just roaming around out there. Who's ready to slaughter some brats with a Z? The whole thing is overrun by knickknack paddywhackers. What are those things? They're runners. Well, why do you call them that? Because because they run. It just it seems like the most logical thing to call them. A pack of crunchy munchers took a long time. By nightfall, the flesh feasters will come. Flesh feasters. 12 o'clock. Going north is a lost cause. It's a monster mash up there. A, a graveyard smash, if you will. We call them bobbies. It's the name of our stepdad. It's metaphorical. Because this is an indie zombie flick. Can't cross the bridge. There's too many squids. Let's kill some frogs. Squids. Out there. there was two giraffes in the grocery store, but we got them. A pack of creepers ate my entire family. There's too many freakers. Scallywags are coming. There's too many screamers. A group of hotties took my dad. There's too many little bitches. We can't take them all. <laughs> If you enjoyed that, go follow uh, Johnny Birchtold. That's uh, B-E-R-C-H-T-O-L-D on Twitter. Um, so yeah, vampires in Ultraviolet are depicted as ageless and immortal and are stronger and faster than normal humans. But they lack most of the supernatural powers attributed to them in folklore, such as turning into bats, mist, or wolves. Mist. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd never heard of mist. I got that off Wikipedia. Never heard of mist. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Um, I guess it's, you know, that kind of thing where they like draw the cloak across and just vanish into mist. Yeah. Um, so the series itself follows Michael Mike Caulfield, a police detective sergeant and best friend to fellow officer Jack. When Jack goes missing the night before his wedding, Michael's investigation leads him to cross paths with a secret paramilitary vampire hunting organization supported by the British government and the Vatican. Whoa. That took a turn. Uh, Michael discovers that Jack has become a vampire and is forced to kill his friend to save his own life. Michael joins the vampire hunting organization but finds himself morally conflicted, opposed to the unit's brutal methods and frequently at odds with security lead Vaughn Rice. So let's talk about the cast. Okay. So playing Michael Caulfield, it's Jack Davenport. Okay, yeah. Yeah. My boy. <laughs> In only so is this after coupling? Well, no. So this is only his second lead television role. Mm. After this life, this is a pre-coupling Davenport. Right. Yeah. Uh, so though he'd written the script for the Ultraviolet pilot, which Ultraviolet. is... Ultraviolet. Yeah. It's hard to say after a few beers. Um, he, he'd, Joe O'Hearn had written the script for the Ultraviolet pilot before working... <laughs> the Ultraviolet pilot. The Ultraviolet pilot. Yeah. Before working on This Life, uh, O'Hearn thought that Davenport had all the right qualities to play Michael when he met him and worked with him on This Life. Um, when they met, he thought he was perfect for the role. He said he was charismatic and unflappable. Uh, What's, what was it for the Watson? Capable. That was it. <laughs> capable. Okay, what, what Watson has yeah. to be capable. Yeah. Jack Davenport. Unflappable. Jack Davenport. He's very much an unflappable un actor. Un so. un unflappable man. Yeah. yeah. Unflappable. I've never been described as unflappable. No. I'm... I'm I, I'm, I'm very flappable. I'm, I'm very flappable. I'm, I'm very flappy. I'm struggling <laughs> to even say I'm flappable. <laughs> I'm honest. Again, we did have... What did we drink before we came on? We had... A lager. A lager. A Guinness. A Guinness and... A, a, a double whiskey. A double whiskey, yeah. Yeah. Dreadful idea. Anyway, carry on. So over the course of the series, Michael must balance his new secret life, working for the vampire hunting organization, of course, with his personal commitments, including a complicated relationship with his best friend Jack's fiance, Kirsty. Oh dear. Played by oh dear. Here we go. Dishy Davenport. Here we go. We all know what to expect. Davenport's uh, here. We all know what's gonna happen. Davers. 
<laughs> so Michael has a complicated relationship with his best friend Jack's fiance Kirsty, played by Colette Brown, who is unaware of what happened to Jack or indeed the part that Michael plays in it. This is a bit of a Pearl Harbor situation. Uh, well, if you're thinking about all-time classic love triangles yeah. featuring Jack Davenport, surely Pirates of the Caribbean is your reference point. <laughs> True, but in Pearl Harbor where uh, Ben Affleck's gone off and they yeah. think he's gone yeah. and then Josh Hartnett is, is now cracking on with Kate Beckinsale. Yeah. Essentially the same plot. Exactly the same, but with okay. vampires. It's, okay. Pearl, it's Pearl Harbor, Pearl Harbor with vampires. Pearl Harbor with vampires. What? Sold, sold. I feel like you could sell that to Michael Bay. <laughs> if you said Michael, Pearl Harbor with vampires, you'd be like, great, where do I sign? Uh, uh playing Dr. Angela Marsh, uh, the team's resident doctor and lead scientist, Susanna Harker. So Angie, as she's known, uh, became involved in the organization when her husband, Robert, a prominent medical researcher, was himself recruited into into the organization, only to be later forced to kill himself and one of their daughters Mm. to prevent their conversion into vampires. Angie, said Harker, is frozen in time in arrested development since the love of her life was taken away. Doesn't really translate to audio. Let's start talking in a minute, don't worry. <laughs> I think it's a great clip. I do know how you feel. What if it's not treated? Feels over in minutes. Most people don't even know they've been infected. It makes you very susceptible to suggestion. They don't need to dirty their hands much. They get asked to do it for them. So what have we got? Where's all the crosses? Holy water. Jury's out on that. It's a bit like homeopathy. It's a question of faith on both sides. They can be superstitious too. In my opinion, religion is a placebo, which isn't to say placebos can't work. Why is all this kept quiet? I mean, the body turns up drained. It doesn't happen. Successful parasites don't kill their host. They don't drain their prey unless they want to recruit and they're very careful about who they recruit. Like we are. I feel like it's a rogue, this is a rogue choice from Jack Davenport. He's never done anything like this since. <laughs> I love that he did it, yeah. but like, yeah. playing a guy, detective, hunting vampires. Right. It's not very Davenport, yeah. but, but I love that he did it. Although, you know, he was, he was part of the cast of Flash Forward, of course. Yeah, I mean, you can't forget that. No. I mean... I really can't. I've tried. (laughs) And she reminds me of... Is it Alison Mack? Mm. The one that got in trouble for various things, but she looks a bit, you know... I'm pretty sure she was in The Pride and Prejudice. She was? Yeah, yeah, good. So, Susanna Harker uh, was previously best known for playing journalist Matty Storen in the original BBC version of House of Cards oh, uh, and for playing Jane, Jane Bennett, Bennett in the 1995 TV adaptation of Pride and Prejudice. Okay. Here we go. Yeah. Now we're on comfortable ground for you. <laughs> 90s rom-com. Can you call Pride and Prejudice a rom-com? Yeah, it's I rom- guess it is. The, it's the original rom-com. <laughs> it's, it's the OG rom-com. <laughs> it's, it's the goat. Yeah. <laughs> so, Harker had previously worked with Ultraviolet creator Joe Ahern on the 1997 short film The Cull and said of Ultraviolet, I did have to go and meet for it and test with other actors, but I was working with him when he was developing it, so I kind of segued in. She knew it was it. She, yeah. she knew. Yeah. She knew she had it. I always say segued. Segued, isn't it? I, I used to think it was segued. It is segued, isn't it? But confusingly, you know those things you write yeah. about that like George Bush rode off a cliff yeah. almost? I think that is genuinely spelled... Segway. Segway. Yeah. So. Very confusing. Very confusing. Yeah. Especially after a few beers and yeah. a whiskey. Um, Susanna Harker is also the great, great, great. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Susanna Harker is also the great, great granddaughter great, right. of Joseph Harker, an artist and theatrical scene designer who was employed at the Lyceum Theatre in London at the time it was managed by Bram Stoker. Got it who went on to name a character after Joseph in his novel Dracula. Jonathan Harker uh, uh, is named oh after God. Susanna Harker's great-great-grandfather. So vampires were quite wow, literally in amazing. her blood. That is an amazing fact. That's a good fact. That is that is, that is like <laughs> that is... a singular fact yeah. smash. Fact smash. All... Fact, fact smash. smash. Fact smash. Also, got to say, I didn't know Bram Stoker was a real person. Right. There's two, there's two things I want to pick up on there. One... 
what do you mean you didn't know Bram Stoker was a real person? I did. Secondly, you called him Bram Stoker. <laughs> Bram, Bram Stoker. Stoker. I genuinely thought it was like a, I don't know, just make-believe... Who do you think wrote Dracula? <laughs> I don't know. I thought Bram Stoker was like, you know Lemony Snicket? Is Lemony Snicket a real person? No. No, I thought it was that sort of situation. Was well, just... there's one guy like writing it under the pen name of yeah. Lemony yeah. Snicket. I thought... Do you think it was just too cool a name? Yeah. Even though yeah. you thought it was called Bram Stoker. It's like my dad still won't believe me mm. when I say that Colonel Sanders was a real person. I, I, no, I know what he's talking about there because, <laughs> because that is such a ridiculous, because... He was like, well, no, it's not, no, no, it absolutely but, was. But I, I, I sympathise with your dad because now they sort of pit Colonel Sanders against yeah. Ronald McDonald, yeah. who, unless I'm very much mistaken, is not a real person. He's not a real person. And they're like, they're like the icons of, of fast yeah. food chains. And so it's like, He's a, he's a real guy, this ridiculous man with his yeah. ridiculous beard and his ridiculous suit. Yeah, no, real, real yeah. guy. Yeah. But Bram Stoke. So Bram Stoke. Stoker. I thought, I thought it was Bram Stroker. This Bram, Bram Stroker. Bram, Bram Stroker is a better name. <laughs> Bam. Like Bam Margera. But Bam Stroker. So Bram Stoker. I it's hard to say. I prefer Bam, Bam Stroker. Bam Stroker is much Bam, easier to say. Bam Stroker. Bram. So Bam. Is it Bram? No, Bram. 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 Like Brum, but Bram. Like 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 the car Brum, but Bram. Bram. Like Abraham. Stoker. That's far harder to say than Bram Stoker. I can't say that, mate. Stoker. Change your name. Stoker. <laughs> Bram Stoker. Bram Stoker. Yeah. Okay. I mean, <laughs> all right. Not as good. But fine. <laughs> fine. I'll fucking say it. Jesus. <laughs> if that's what it is, I mean, if that's what he wants to call himself, I mean, fine. But you know, Bam Stroker is Bam Stroker. Bam Stroker is far better. Bam Stroker is the porn star version yeah. of Bram Stroker. Even I can't do it now. Bram Stoker. <laughs> ruined it. Ruined it for, You've ruined it forever. Bram Stoker. Far harder to say. Rubbish name. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> so next up, uh, in the cast list of Ultraviolet, we have uh, Vaughn Rice, the organization's main security lead, who is struggling with PTSD after his time as a soldier in the Gulf War, which has left him with a ruthless edge when it comes to tackling leeches. You aren't there, man. You don't know. Uh, this was an early screen role for Idris Elba. Oh. Uh, post-family affairs, but four years before his breakthrough role as Stringer Bell, of course, in The Wire. Wow, amazing. What did she say about Robert? Driss just swigging the brandy. Yeah. Nothing. Is that you or Pierce? I left him at work. I don't have that luxury. She said you could have him back. What did you say? I said what I always say. When you're dead, you're dead. I'd like my old mates back, but that's not going to happen. I told her she was wasting her time. Life's for the living. She's just got to move on. So, and, and again, I, I feel like Idris there was probably what, like 25? Yeah. <laughs> More of a man than I'll ever be. A proper man. Yeah. yeah. He's yeah. he's killing vampires. He's swigging brandy. He's having, a, he's having a great I'll time. never get to that point. I feel like <laughs> I, I, I sort of live my life going, at some point, mm. I'll wear like a suit and a shirt to work and I'll get home and I'll... Have a briefcase. I'll have a briefcase. I'll have a brandy. Yeah. Do you know what I've never had? Yeah. You know when you see people, guys, where they have... The sort of suit jacket, yeah, and then the jacket jacket. Do you know yeah, what I mean? no. no, no, never done that in my life. No, I don't know if I ever will. <laughs> and it's like, when when will I get to a point where oh, I'm there, I'm there now? I don't think a good thirty years after I was meant to. I don't think we'll ever be as cool as Idris Elba. No, I mean, I, that's I don't, a given. I, I mean, most people aren't meant to be. No, not I mean, he's a level above man. <laughs> yeah, he's a god. Yeah. Um. So, it, I mean, this show again. Vampire Slayer, Idris yeah. Elba. It's just one more skill set that can be added to Elba's illustrious CV. But I don't know if you're familiar, Tom, with the sketch show Famalam. Um, I'm aware of it. Yeah. You're aware of it. Um, just, just ruined Idris Elba for me with yeah. its sketch, Idris Elba Can Do Anything. Okay. Already funny. Whenever I hear his name, I'm like, bitch, I'm Idris Elba. Maurice the Wanted, 
right? I'm your man. Okay, and how much experience do you have as a... None at all. Well, what makes you think that you can be a very... We're wasting time here, Mr. <laughs> Annoyed. I'll tell you why I know. I'm an excellent barista. I'm Idris Elba. <laughs> I'm an actor, writer, director, DJ, influencer, producer, rapper, comedian, kickboxer. So I'm pretty sure I can make little frothy coffees, all right? You be the customer, I'll be Idris Elba. <laughs> but you probably could just walk up anywhere and just, just do whatever you want. Yeah. It's not even a comedy. No. It's a documentary. Drink it. <laughs> kind of tastes like coffee. Exactly. Now, fuck off when you make me some banana bread. <laughs> Why is it just Elba never done uh, Guy Ritchie? What's this all about then? Uh, sorry, how did you get in here? I'm Idris Elba. I goes where I goes. <laughs> well, this is this is a cancer research centre. <laughs> We're trying to cure cancer. Trying. <sighs> Move over then. <laughs> Fine. That's fucking shit. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> trying. That's fucking shit. Great. Uh, Great guy. So completing the lead cast of Ultraviolet was Philip Quast as Pierce J. Harmon, the leader of the organisation and a former priest. Why are you looking at me funny? I've just never heard of Philip Quast's work, but well, I'm sure you're going to tell me. You'll be, you'll be familiar yeah. with, with, with Quast's oeuvre. Okay. Um, so again, in an effort to tackle how vampirism might impact real-life events in the series... Uh, Harmon is diagnosed with terminal cancer and becomes desperate to learn the secrets of vampire regeneration. Thanks, Father. I've got a job. <laughs> Davenport just looks annoyed every time he's in a scene. Sorry, I don't think I've got what it takes. His best mate's just died, and he, and he fancies his I mean, fiance, but he can't do anything about it. That was self-defence, not a career move. And the rest of society? Who defends them? Look, am I under arrest or what? Why did you join the police? Was it to help others or just yourself? Yeah, I joined the police, not the army. All right, dude. Plenty of Vaughns around to recruit them. Actually, there aren't. In any case, I need investigators, not soldiers. I don't see a lot of investigating going on. Well, that's why we need people like you. Well, I don't need people like you. Sassy from Davenport. Yeah. <laughs> you can't appreciate it over audio so much, but both Idris and Jack have this air of, what the fuck are we doing in this programme? Like, the, the Good programme. I know, but both of their, their, their acting here is like, oh, I mean, I, I'm doing this as a favour. I'm better than this. I don't need to be... Why, why am I here? This is... What's this? I could be in coupling right now. Ridiculous. <laughs> it's outrageous. So, outside <laughs> of Ultraviolet... It's their fault for acting like that. Yeah. Outside of Ultraviolet, Philip Quast is perhaps best known for his role as in Inspector Javert in the stage musical oh. Les Miserables wow. and is often hailed as the greatest Javert oh. there's been. Amazing. I've hunted vampires across the years. <laughs> yeah, you get, you get it. So now that you're... You stole some garlic. <laughs> All I did was steal some garlic. Garlic bread. <laughs> yes, of course, he stole garlic bread. Oh, niche. Uh, you thought it couldn't get any more niche. <laughs> Do you like obscure vampire shows in the 90s and Les Mis? <laughs> in the right place. Then for all five of you, <laughs> this is the podcast. So now you're fully briefed on, on, on the concept, yeah. the cast. Let's have a look at the trailer for Ultraviolet, how it was promoted at on last. Channel 4 at the time, at yeah. last. Is that what I think it is? It's the father. Her husband's six foot under. What if she stays pregnant? There are worse things than being taken. Have you ever performed determination? Have you ever sanctioned one? This isn't human. You know. Ultraviolet, Tuesday, 10 p.m. I mean, not the best trailer of all time, but you know, that'll do. I wanted to give you a, a sense of, of how it was promoted and maybe why it didn't come back. <laughs> yeah, maybe didn't really try, did they? Maybe because the trailers weren't very yeah, good. Yeah, it's like, eh, there's a show, it's a show on Channel 4, just uh, don't worry about it. Just, just, just watch it. If you can watch it, great, but don't worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to get cancelled afterwards. <laughs> Idris Elba's going to be in the wire in 10 minutes. Well, well think, think of, you know, that, that, that 
I mean, it's yeah, not, imagine it's, it's if not, Ultraviolet ran for nine series. You've never it, been in the wild. It's not a T junction. What am I thinking of? Uh, a north. fork in the road. That's yeah. what I'm trying to say. A fork in the road. Yeah. Uh, T junction is something entirely different. <laughs> um, if Ultraviolet had run for nine seasons, no coupling, no wire, no stringer bell. Yeah. I mean, the, I mean, probably still would have, would have had the wire. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Philip Cross would have had to like cut short his run on Broadway. <laughs> I don't know, but it would have been bad. Yeah. Um, one final cast member worth flagging up. Recurring in the first and last episodes of Ultraviolet, as Jack, you mentioned his most famous show earlier, Stephen Moyer. Ah, oh, yeah. True Blood. Amazing. Ten years before wow. he achieved global stardom for playing another vampire, Bill Compton, yeah. in HBO's True Blood. Um, and it's fair to say that while many aspects of Ultraviolet still hold up, you know, the performances, the gritty tone, the scientific approach to vampires, what perhaps dates it the most is Stephen Moyer's haircut. <laughs> okay. Interesting. I'm going to translate to audio, is it? Uh, your reaction, Will. Okay. Oh, no. Block of seagulls. Oh, no. I ran. I ran so far away. Oh, no. <laughs> when was this set? Like, present day? <laughs> Filmed in 98. Oh. Set, set in the near future. But he was a vampire from years and years ago, I assume. No, what? no. That's, that was his hair in 1998. He's just been turned. Oh, no. Blimey. Didn't take you long to sign up. Pension good, is it? <laughs> Don't give me the silent treatment. Oh dear. Can we at least have a civilized conversation? Well, Wetty, he's really like hot and sexy in True Blood. What, what, what a glow up he had. He uh, definitely um, had a glow up. What did they say to wipe away ten years? Some of the tube once, Stephen Moore. Did yeah. yeah. Wow. I mean, they had to give him that, ha- that hair to make. Absolutely. Davenport, the sexy one. Are you saying Davenport needed help? <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? Davers. Or I could go all the way. Did you know what they were into when you were taking their money? Well, they don't exactly advertise it, and I can see why now. People go a bit funny. <laughs> People you thought... It, you can't really appreciate it and just... Order. You have to... Well, I have to put this clip somewhere because you, you can't appreciate just how it's the way Stephen Moore's hair is billowing in yeah. the wind. We don't have to kill to get it. Then what's the money for? They want to wipe us out, so we had to get organised. That takes money. This is only. Oh, I suppose it's a good ten years of ten years. Years. Yeah. I said that before. Have you been? Yeah. <laughs> but Davenport looks the same. <laughs> Whereas. Stay there. We know it's got Vatican money. The Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith, I think they call it now. They changed the name. Used to be the Inquisition. So across Ultraviolet's six-episode run, Michael hopes to avoid all-out war, but the vampires are organised, moving towards a common goal, with their true agenda only being revealed in the sixth and final episode. Bum bum. know where Jack is. Yeah, like I'm going to tell you. <laughs> Still annoyed he's in it. We're all on the same side. You must know by now what we're dealing with. No, I know what you think you're dealing with. I can't help that. You believe Jack is still your friend? Well, whatever he's done, he doesn't deserve a death sentence. I'm afraid that was carried out three nights ago. Before you last met. I tell you what, shall I just um, I'll just sit here and nod, shall I? Is that going to speed things up? We can't make you believe. Sorry. Only they can do that. If you survive the experience, we'll talk again. So, as mentioned, the show takes a scientific, often medical approach to vampirism. Uh, cases that the organisation become involved with across the series include a woman who may be pregnant with a vampire fetus, uh, the outbreak of a disease related to vampirism as well, that also crops up. Uh, the Vampire Hunting Squad also use modern versions of traditional anti-vampire weapons. So instead of wooden stakes, they use carbon bullets. Uh, they also use gas grenades with a concentrated compound derived from garlic. Uh, vampires are also seen to be invisible to electronic devices and not to the old myth that vampires don't appear in mirrors. So like you were saying earlier, that they don't ever want to say the word vampire. Mm. Is this in a world where vampires weren't like a fictional... Do you know what I mean? Because they can't say the word vampire. I presume vampires. Well, no, because they're like Davenport. There, he's like, I know what you think they are. 
course not vampires. Right. But it's just... Okay. They just say vampires because <laughs> it's, it's, it's silly. It's like... <laughs> silly. It's like the word vampire is um, owned by copyright by some Disney or whatever. And yeah. Like, you can't say it, but... Maybe maybe the estate of Bam Stroker <laughs> owns... Bam Stroker. It does sound like a porn star name, doesn't it? more you think about it. Yeah. <laughs> maybe they own the word. So as Joe O'Hearn pitched the series, what if they, vampires really did exist. How would we fight them? Science would be the weapon, not superstition. Steaks and garlic do work, but it's the chemicals inside. Daylight kills them because it's ultraviolet... There you go. Radiation that they can't withstand. Religion is uncertain and no defence. Vampires have their own technology too. Cars with tinted windows. So if you ever see a car with a tinted window, Uh, that's actually what's going on. High-tech caskets for transatlantic transport. And as quickly as we design countermeasures like laser treatment for bite wounds, they're developing ways of infecting us that don't even involve biting. The myth ceases to become about one vampire being hunted. This is a war. Jesus. How long has this outfit been running? This modest collection represents about seven years' work. The tip of an iceberg, I'd say. Who knows about this? I mean, who's paying? The Pope? The Church doesn't like to talk about evil these days, no. You're paying. We're all paying. You've got full government backing for this? Why not? It's a public health issue. A defence issue. Can't you at least let his family have him? I'm afraid not. Well, he's dead now, isn't he? Neutralised. They can regenerate. We just don't know how. Until we do, all these specimens are viable. It's a prison, not a cemetery. You're not the only one. We've all lost someone. That's why we're here. It's called a vocation. Yeah, vendetta more than These aren't isolated cases. They're organising for a reason. And what for? They don't want to wipe us out. They need us. Exactly. So what's changed? Our capacity for self-destruction. It grows at an exponential rate. You're right, of course. They don't mean us any harm. They want to save us. It doesn't sound so bad. And the only way they can save us is by controlling us. If people like you don't take a stand now, do you know where your loved ones are going to be in 50 years' time? Battery farms. Believe me, our free-range days are over. But, plot twist. The final episode of Ultraviolet reveals that the vampire's plan does not involve enslaving humanity and keeping them alive, as the team believed. Instead, they plan to completely wipe out the threat of humanity with a nuclear winter. Scientific advances... Oh, fuck. (laughs) Tom is shook. (laughs) Scientific advances made during their experiments will allow them to survive on synthetic blood and reproduce via live birth, eliminating the need for human victims. Uh, the final episode also finally sees Kirsty learn the truth about Michael's secret life, about vampires, and about what happened to Jack. So having been killed by Michael in the first episode, Jack has resurrected in the final episode, apparently setting up a recurring role in a second season that, as we know, <sighs> never happened. Ah, well. Seems like I have one. Don't worry, I'll leave her alone. There he is. Let's keep in touch, yeah? And they, yeah, that was it. That was it? Yeah. So... Why did Ultraviolet never return for a second series? So, I watched it. No, actually, oh. did all right. Yeah. But there are there are a few factors. Um, one is that Joe O'Hearn never intended to write and direct all six episodes, so scripts from other writers were commissioned, but it was felt that they couldn't quite match what O'Hearn had produced, and so he was busy developing the first series. He wasn't able to outline a second series in time to get the green light. Actors got booked up. Times moved on, but O'Hearn also had arrived. Buffy, Buffy had arrived. But you think, if anything, that would give it a boost. Well, to be yeah, like, look, yeah. we got a vampire show. we got one right here. Yeah. Um, but Hearn also said that he had partly always intended for Ultraviolet to be a closed-ended series. He said, I fought really hard in Ultraviolet to have the six episodes as something which had a definite conclusion. At the end of six episodes, you find out categorically what the vampires are up to, and that's it. 
So at the end, you find out that they want to wipe out humanity and create a nuclear winter. And once you've decided that, I don't think personally you can go on for another three or four seasons exploring that. I didn't want it to go on and on. Do you really need another hundred episodes exploring that? The more hours you do, the more impossible it is to reach a conclusion that satisfies all those hours. In that case, why the little tease at yeah. the end? Moyer's back. He says, you know, I'll see you around. What's going on there? According to Ahern, he said, that was done largely just to keep the option open. <laughs> just in case. Yeah, just you never know. playing it safe. Yeah. Uh, he said, I didn't want to completely close it off because I think the point is that nobody knew. Nobody knew if it would be successful or not. You don't want to say definitely that it would never be any more. You want to give the possibility. Uh, one more factor which might have prevented a season two of Ultraviolet, according to Ahern, is that Channel 4 simply might not have wanted one. <laughs> uh, whether he had the time to develop the stories himself or not. Uh, he said, if Channel 4 had said, we think this is great and it's got real potential to go on and be a franchise, to be an ongoing thing, maybe we, we would have sat down and come up with ideas for more that I might not necessarily have been involved in or whatever. But as far as I know, that never happened. Uh, However, that wasn't the end of Ultraviolet. Uh, it wasn't entirely the end. Uh, in 2000, two years on from transmission of the original series, the Fox Network in uh, here we go. the US <laughs> developed a remake yeah. of the series starring uh, Eric Tull. Who? I'm not really sure. Okay. As the lead character, de Detective John Cahill. Mm -hmm. um, also part of the cast were Twin Peaks star Madchen Amok and Idris Elba. Really? Idris Elba. He was in it, wow. reprising his role from the British same series. Character. He did a Robert Llewellyn. He did a Robert Llewellyn. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Same same thing. American accent. Great. Oh, he's got an American accent now. Oh. Well, he's, he's American in this one. Okay. Yeah. All right. But... The American remake of Ultraviolet was not very good. Ah, well, I didn't see that coming. I like this guy. They're like, they're like, right, what does he need to play Davenport's character? Floppy fringe? Floppy hair, yeah. He's got it. Hire this guy. Just get Jack Davenport back. Who are you people? I'm not sure Jack Davenport's capable of being anything but devastatingly British. That is true. You can't murder something if it isn't alive. You saw Brian Locks in his hospital bed. Spinal cord severed. He was never going to walk again. But he did. He wasn't human. They look human, but they're not. Why does this look older than the it does, original? It? They don't show it feels like it came out in 1987 or something. Or in mirrors. They're extremely sensitive to sunlight, ultraviolet. Again, they just just standing there going, what am I doing here? Right. I didn't agree with you the first time you said that. Yeah. In this, definitely. Yeah. He's like, because he's, imagine like having done something like Ultraviolet and then you're in like um, a clearly much worse version. Yeah. And just going, oh. I'm, I'm. Do you think he moved to America at this point? And he was just. Hedging his bets. Yeah. And they've gotten to Vigo too. Yeah, I'm bored. <laughs> that was the, ad, it cut to an ad break, happily enough. Um. I don't know how much of that you got to appreciate over us talking over it, but rest <laughs> assured it was terrible. It's all on YouTube if you want to watch it. Um, the US Ultraviolet pilot, again, very hard to say, did not lead to a series, and in fact was never even aired, oh. never broadcast. Uh, Howard Gordon, uh, one of the producers contracted to uh, develop the series, now best known for his work as a writer producer on 24 yep. and Homeland, said he loved the original series, but frankly, we screwed it up. <laughs> and it, meaning the remake, just didn't come out that well. So, after that misfire, is Ultraviolet finally dead and buried? Well, perhaps not. <sighs> well, you're annoyed. Kill it with a stake. Just, just, just. <laughs> so, I don't know why you're taking against it, though. <laughs> so, according to Joe Ahern, every few years a broadcaster or a streamer flirts with it and they commission a bit of work and then, and then decide not to make it. Do they? What he claims. Do they, <laughs> do they actually? So, guys, we need, we need new material. Um, what should we do? Oh yeah, do you remember that 1998 series called Ultraviolet? Every few years we, we look about it and, and just sort of think, eh, maybe we'll bring it back. We are, like, literally I saw a news story today <laughs> that said they're making a TV spin-off yeah. of the Seth Rogen animation Sausage Party. They're making a, a, oh, really? they're making a TV series of Who's that. Who's going to watch that? That was, who's it for? So if, if that can happen, are you telling me you don't believe someone's <laughs> looked at Ultraviolet and gone... What I don't believe is every few years someone goes, <laughs> right, right, Ultraviolet. Sporadically, yeah. sporadically. Someone's, maybe once, someone's looked once every 16 years, maybe someone's... It's, only, it's only been 20 years or so, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Right. So the point is, there's been interest. 
Okay. Joe Ahern. I'll believe you, but yeah. Joe Ahern has, has written scripts apparently for an ultraviolet revival. I'm not saying Joe's a, a, a liar. Yeah. I'm, I just, yeah, I just. All right. Yeah. You're just dishing, dishing out a Joe Ahern. <laughs> So Joe has written scripts for an ultraviolet revival. Cut that out. Um, <laughs> Definitely keeping it in. And he has said that he would love to bring back the original cast. Of course so he would. Bring back Davenport. Yeah. Bring back Susanna Harker. Yeah. Um, I don't think Idris. <laughs> ah, dad, I just don't think he's. He's too busy. He could be James Bond soon. He's a, as we know, he's a, he's a director. He's an actor. He's a writer. DJ. He's a DJ. He's yeah. a kickboxer. He's a rapper. Um, but. Until the series is resurrected, you can watch all six original episodes on all four if you're in the UK, which is cool. Um, or you can still track the series down on DVD. Indeed, getting in touch on Facebook, one of our listeners, Matt Dowdle, said of Ultraviolet, great series, far too short. Rewatched it after getting into True Blood due to the crossover cast member, of course, being Stephen Moyer. Uh, he said, I need to dig out the DVD again for another rewatch. So, Tom, mm. you've had a bit of a taster of mm. Ultraviolet there. What are your thoughts? <sighs> Not totally sold on I it. I feel like right? down on it. I, don't I, feel, know. I, I, I feel like there was, it's that era of the late, or oh, just the 90s in general, especially like uh, British sci-fi, mm. as we touched upon in our Doctor Who fill-ins. It just it hasn't, they haven't aged that well. As much as I love Crime Traveller, it's not great, <laughs> is it? Like I can't, I can't believe you're actually comparing this to Crime Traveller. <laughs> Which, I don't know, it, it doesn't, it's not, I'm not watching that going, yeah, definitely going to sit down and watch all that. I'm sure. Sh- I'm sure it's great. It is great. Sorry, Joe, but yeah, I just. I'm. I'm glad it brought us Jack Davenport and Idris Elba. Yeah, but apart from that, are you not just happy that it exists? Oh yeah, like there's, yeah. A, there's a show like that. Yeah, I'm glad it existed, but yeah, I don't think it's got any legacy after after that. Of course, I'm not glad you. it's created Two Geeks fodder, but um, it's perfect. Two Geeks fodder. It yeah. was. It was a hidden gem with a cult, yeah. cult following. It's yeah. gone on. Yeah, it's gone on the cult. I, Has it got a cult following? Yes. Has- <laughs> Every every few years, Tom. Someone's saying we, we need a remake stat. Every few years. Yeah. Well, it's not like like Idris said. It's not a cemetery. Yeah. It's a prison. I don't know what, what I'm driving at. I was kind of I was aiming for something like it can be resurrected, just like vampires okay. can. That's what that's what I'm driving at. Okay. That's what I'm driving at. All right. So to sum up, Ultraviolet's great. Okay. Tom's wrong. All right. It's Bram Stoker. <laughs> so that's it for now. Thanks for listening. Uh, for more geek chat, trivia, and booze-filled banter, head to twogeekstubios.com to hear all 108 of our previous episodes. If you're a horror fan, and after all, it is the season, Ooh. we've got installments on Halloween and Friday the 13th, Christmas horror movies, and on a bloodsucker slant, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Plus, many more outings covering off classic films, TV shows, and video games. And please do go follow us on all the socials at Two Geeks Cast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and yes, even TikTok. Um, you can also find us on YouTube. Uh, if you put Two Geeks Two Beers into the search bar, you'll find an archive of episodes, old and new, in full, uh, plus clips and samplers and behind-the-scenes video footage. And thinking about Twitter, you had a bit of a hit the other day, didn't you? On your old uh, welcome new fans, if you followed. Yeah, I had, I had a viral, a properly viral tweet. Yeah. Uh, yeah, did happen. So if you've uh, followed me and then followed two geeks yeah. and listened to us, welcome. I, I, Sorry about this. I, 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 yeah, imagine <laughs> they were like that. That tweet. You're not was, here anymore. That tweet was funny. Anyway, giving up now. Yeah, exactly. Unfollowed. Um, we're also on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, Podbean, Global Player, and all other good podcast outlets where you can rate and review the podcast. Please do. Tell all your friends. You can also become a Two Geek supporter on Patreon, patreon.com slash Two Geeks Cast. That's a lot easier to remember when it's written out in front of me. Uh, you can sponsor the podcast, helping to fund our recording sessions, our equipment, or your money goes directly back into making the show. And depending on what tier you choose, you get different rewards, including exclusive Patreon-only minisodes, outtakes, personalized thank you videos, merch, including a Two Geeks mug and t-shirt you can't get anywhere else, mm. and even a mini episode or full-length episode that's exclusive to you. And you can also email us podcast at twogeeks2beers.com that's podcast at twogeeks2beers.com and send us feedback, thoughts and suggestions for any future episodes. Yes, please do get in touch and we'll read out our favourite missives in a future episode like this one from regular listener Stu Mackay. Uh, Stu got in touch on Facebook and said looking forward to your latest episode Ultraviolet? <laughs> Two question marks. <laughs> I don't blame him. <laughs> Which 
which I've never heard of, yeah. Stu says. Uh, he says, genuine question, do you guys... <laughs> do you, made me laugh, this made me laugh. Do you guys consciously choose obscure <laughs> slash little known subjects or is it just a coincidence? <laughs> you don't ever seem to choose popular films or series <laughs> like Star Wars, Star Trek or Lord of the Rings, etc, etc, etc. And then he ends with, hashtag, do Baron Munchausen? No. Hashtag, do Doom? Maybe. Hashtag, Justice for the beer, Matt. Now, oh yeah, that's my fault. Yeah. Now, what? Now, Stu won our review competition uh, months back. He won an official Two Geeks beer, Matt, which has still not made its way to him. Uh, we have had real issues with our supplier, so Stu, apologies. The mythical beer, Matt, is, it is coming. We prom- we yeah. promise. Yeah, promise. Um, Stu then sent a follow up message saying, "Looking back, you have done quite a few bigger films, like uh, it felt bad. like like but literally the next day, I think he got drunk and messaged us, and then." We we, look, we can all we can all relate. Yeah. He messaged us the next day saying, "Looking back, you have done quite a few bigger films like Bond or Die Hard, and maybe being a little bit niche is your USP." Yeah. So, in answer to your messages, Stu, being niche is definitely our USP, uh, though not intentionally. Um, I would say, not not always, but but often we do intentionally pick slightly offbeat or more cult series, films, and games, uh, mostly because if we did, you know, Star yeah. Star Wars, we've both seen A New Hope. We kind of know it back to front. Yeah. Um, it wouldn't be all that interesting for one of us to tell the other one stuff about things he already yeah, knows. Yeah, yeah. So we each try and pick a subject matter that the other one's not entirely familiar with, with the hope that the end result is more entertaining to listen to. Is that theory in any way borne out? You be the judge. Um, that's 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 the aim. Um, <laughs> uh, oh dear. So that's that, funny. That is another episode wrapped. We'll leave you alone. <laughs> but let's keep in touch, yeah. <laughs> So not related to this series, but sharing its title is the mm. 2006 film Ultraviolet. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> thank you. I, th- I thought there was something else. <laughs> You're like, I thought that's what we were doing. Yeah. Um, which is set in a future dystopia and stars Mila Jovovich as a woman infected with hemoglophagia, nice. a disease that transforms you into a vampire-like yes. being. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. Using advanced martial arts skills, she works to overthrow the government. What if you tuned into this assuming it was that? I can only I can only apologize. Oh, no. So, Empire said of this film, it's only eighty-seven minutes long, but every second of ultraviolet feels like a month in detention. Uh, the Guardian said, tacky, noisy, and fashionably out of focus. It's like being trapped in a L'Oreal hair color commercial with added drums and dismemberment. Uh, and Rotten Tomatoes says, an un- incomprehensible and forgettable sci-fi thriller. Ultraviolet is inept in every regard. So, uh, unlike the TV Ultraviolet, this is very much one to ignore. And yeah, I guess if you tuned in thinking that's what we were going to be talking about. Apologies, we yeah. haven't we, have, we haven't gone quite that niche just yet. But you know, check back in a few months and we'll see what. We're yeah, doing. we'll give it you know, what twenty twenty eight. I think you're being optimistic. Maybe like <laughs> <laughs> maybe we go maybe we go like really niche. We go through like the wormhole. Okay, just see see where we end up. Yeah, fuck it. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs>